You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current, and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here, and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we've got David Maxwell joining us. Now, normally David's joining us from Launceston, but today David's travelling and he's up in New South Wales, and he'll be sharing his program on Reflecting Jesus. That's the series. He'll be sharing that from New South Wales today. Welcome, David. Thanks, Jason. It's nice to be here again. Yeah, it's good to have you, and it's good that uh, we can still have you, even though you're not in your um, normal residence in in mm. uh, Launceston. So technology's great, isn't it? It certainly <laughs> is. It allows us to continue. Although sometimes it'd be nice, wouldn't it, be if uh, we could just have a break away? <laughs> but <laughs> life goes yeah. on when we've got technology because we can work just about anywhere. Anyway. Before we get into today's program, I want to just remind our listeners, we've got an event. These are our Tasmanian listeners specifically. We've got an event coming up in Launceston, Hobart and Devonport. So in Hobart, it's on the 13th of May, Launceston 15th of May and in Devonport on the 16th of May. This event, it's called Immune uh, Improving Immune Function Through Food. It's a fantastic uh, free event presented by Dr. Sue Rad. Uh, Sue is an advanced accrediting practicing, practicing dietitian, and uh, she's written a, a book recently called Food as Medicine, Cooking for Your Best Health. This book actually received a the Gourmand World Cookbook Award for the Best Health and Nutrition Book. Now, that's the best health and nutrition book in the world was that award. So it's a fantastic book. Don't miss this free event. And if you want to get more details, if you're listening in Tassie and you want to attend one of these events in Hobart, Launceston or Devonport, text IMMUNE22, that's IMMUNE22, to 0488-880-891. That's our Tassie Encounters show number. Text IMMUNE22, 0488-880-891. So now we've got the uh, advertising out of the way, David. You always share up front uh, in our programs a story, uh, something to do with your life, and you've been sharing Ooh. blessings in your life. So what have you got for us today about uh, your life that was a blessing? Thanks, Jason. I, I remember uh, young, when I was younger singing uh, a song, count your blessings, count them one by one, count your blessings, see what the Lord has done. And, and I really love that. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm just sharing different blessings in my life that perhaps other people can relate to and they can uh, remember to, to just look at those good things that God's done in their life. Mm. One thing that I wanted to share today was, again, God's grace when we're ungracious. Uh, and I think, I guess, the story in the Bible comes to my mind is Jonah. God called him to do something. He said, I don't want to do that, went the other way, and then eventually God called him a second time. Uh, you know, the fish spat him out on the beach, and then he went and did what God said. And and I felt like that, and that's what I wanted to share today. When I got out of the Air Force in 1990, uh, I was at a bit of a loose end trying to find aircraft work, couldn't find the work that I wanted. And so I started looking, well, what, what, what would God perhaps want me to do? And so I 
did some uh, literature evangelism training where you learn how to go and meet people at their doors, uh, share uh, spiritual books and things like that with them and, and connect with people. I helped them on their journey in life. And as I did that training and then I, I was fearful that I wouldn't be able to earn enough that was one part of it, earn enough to support my family doing that. And the other side, I guess I didn't have faith that God would provide enough for us. Mm. So I, I went in a different direction in the end. I, I thought, no, no, I, I can't do that. <clears throat> when I look back, I see how God was calling me quite clearly into ministerial type of work then. So 20 years later, 20 years goes past before I feel the call again, and I've done many things in between in that time. And it's interesting because God was closing the opportunities like Jonah on the boat, you know, um, <laughs> sending the storm, uh, showing him that, hey, this is really what I want you to do. Mm. You better do it. And I, I saw, when I look back, I see all the job opportunities that closed, the positions that, that evaporated, the workplaces that that closed the places I was working and combined them with other groups. And it was just one after the other. And when I look back, I see how blind was I to not see that, that God was saying, I don't want you in that, I don't want you in that, I don't want you in that, I don't want you in that. <laughs> but his grace was such that even even after ignoring that previous call, he didn't just say, all right, you've made your choice not interested in you anymore. Mm. He actually continued trying and trying and trying to gently woo me back into what he really wanted me to do. And, and, and perhaps I still haven't found the niche in ministry that he wants me to do, and I will discover that one day, I'm not sure. But in the meantime, I know he wants me in ministry, and it's just beautiful that he continued persevering with me until I was ready... <laughs> To, to take that step of faith. And sometimes that's what it takes. It takes a big step of faith when you feel. But you do have to test. You do have to test every call, uh, every opportunity. I believe even, even secular opportunities, it's important to test those opportunities and ask God, is this where you want me? Is this mm. where you want me? And show me. And, and he really does show us. If you, if you lay out the, um, the, the fleece like Gideon did, and I'm talking metaphorically of course you mm. know but you, you can you can you can ask for things and you can say lord if you want me to do this please show me in this way or this way or just show me and i've prayed both ways mm. in the past and god has opened the door and shown me very very clearly sometimes in ways i've asked him to in other ways it's just really clear and i know it's him leading so so for me that was the big blessing there in my life in that god didn't just Take me at my choice and leave me. He continued. He continued trying, and he called me again into pastoral ministry. I think sometimes, David, isn't it uh, the case? Certainly for me, that sometimes we we're a bit uh, afraid of taking a step, and mm. in case we make the wrong decision, you know, it might be, you know, yeah. should we move out of this job into a new one? And uh, mm. I do believe now, uh, you know, I guess later in my life, I've come to understand this that sometimes we might make a wrong step or you know we might make a step but uh, I'm sure God has a way of bringing us back onto the right path and um, mm. I think you know perhaps that's uh, been evident in your experience where you know you've done a number of things and but eventually 
uh, God did bring you back to the path that he was calling you on to. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's being open to those leadings as well is very important. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no worries. And last week, uh, David, you talked about uh, the freedom from death on your program. Mm. And uh, this is, I think, episode number 13 in our series of uh, Reflecting Jesus. If you want to go back and listen to all of the previous episodes, you can do that on our Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. Uh, or you can download the app from the Apple or Google Play Store. That's the Faith FM Australia app. And you can listen to all of the past episodes of this particular series, but also all of our programs from Tassie Encounters are available on there. So, David, uh, what do you want to be talking about today? What's the topic of your presentation today? Yeah, thanks, Jason. So, yeah, you're right. Last week we did talk about death and we saw that unless Jesus comes very soon, those of us who are alive will taste death as well. It's something that comes to every person. And it's because of that, um, that, that breakdown in our relationship with God and our distance from him. We talked about that, that we would experience the physical death. But we also spoke about the spiritual death and how we can be free from that spiritual death that sin brings. Um, because sin still affects us every day. You know, we're surrounded by its effects and all of those things. And <clears throat> we're not alone in the um, in our desire to be free from 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 that uh, effect of sin. But even the apostles and the disciples struggled with that same desire to be free from sin. So today I want to look at ref, uh, the reflecting Jesus by looking at victory over sin, because people often feel they can't overcome sin. We want to look at that topic today and uh, see if it's even possible to, mm. to, uh, to be free of, uh, of sin or, or have victory over sin. But before we go to the break, I've got a listener question for us. Would you like me to read that one today for us? Yeah, let's, uh, let's put a question out there. We'd love to hear from you today. Uh, text us in your answer to this on uh, 0488880891. So what would we like to ask our listeners today? Right, so today, um, one that I think perhaps all of us can relate to, would anyone be willing to share a time when you overcame something in your life that was a challenge? So something that was a challenge in your life you've been able to overcome. Perhaps uh, when you share that question next time, I'll, I'll share my own example. Awesome. So text us in 0488-880-891. Share a time when you overcame something that was a challenge for you in your life. This is Power to Redeem by Lauren Daigle and All Sons and Daughters. You take what it is And you make it beautiful When love floods i 
to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're talking with David Maxwell uh, on the topic of victory over sin. And before the break, we asked you a question. Share a time when you overcame something that was a challenge for you in your life. We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in your answer on 0488-880-891. So David, before the book, uh, before the break, sorry, not before the book. The book comes later. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a free book <laughs> offer later in the program. Uh, before the break, you said that we're going to look over, look at this topic, victory over sin. So let's start mm. to unpack that. Yeah, look, just to get our listeners started off and thinking about victory over things, I thought perhaps I would quickly share um, something that I had victory over, and I say I because I guess I'm the recipient, but God was the one that gave me the victory. So mm. uh, I was when I was in the Air Force, I was quite a heavy drinker. Uh, I wouldn't have called myself an alcoholic at the time, but when I look back and see how much I drank, and I would usually drink myself into a stupor three nights of the week, that's alcoholic. And so um, it, it was a very big challenge for me, and I knew that this wasn't good for me. I, I knew it was affecting my health. And there came a time when I started searching for God that I realized that this this wasn't God's desire for us to, mm. be, to be doing this, especially as Christians. You know, the Bible talks about priests and kings, and they weren't to drink in the Bible so that their, 
their judgment was right. And as we become Christians, we become priests and kings, as Paul talks about. So that should be right for us as well, not to do that. So I saw that this was a challenge, and I, I made it a matter of prayer. And, you know, God took away the desire like that. Mm. And and I, I can't explain that. Um, after he took away the desire, I was then challenged to maintain that connection with God. And I had a challenge with that probably, you know, a couple of years into my Christian walk until I fully gave it to him. And when I fully gave it to him, he, he completely took it away, and I've never had the desire since, which is wonderful. It's not, some, it's not to say that we, we are never tempted along those lines, but when you continue reinforcing that commitment to God, you find the, the desires go away. So that was, my, that was my challenge that God overcame for me and through me, but I needed my acceptance to do that. Mm. So victory over sin, it's something that I'd like to remind us first what sin is. We've talked about it in the past, but I'd like to remind our listeners what it is just so that they can identify this in their own lives. So first we'll look at the passage we're going to look at. Um, I'll pray first, and then I'll get you to read Romans 7 and that section. Sure. Heavenly Father, look, I want to thank you today, Lord, for giving us victory over sin when we truly desire to be free from it. Please be with each person today as they're listening. Be with us as we speak, and Lord, may you speak through us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Jason, uh, this time in the NLT version, would you mind reading Romans seven thirteen to 25? I like how it's put in this version. Yeah. I actually find the, the New Living very easy to read, so uh, I do like a lot mm. of the, uh, um, the, trans- you know, the, the way that they yeah. translate it, and it's very easy. So let's read this, Romans seven thirteen to 25. It says, But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. And then it's uh, titled Struggling with Sin. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another proverb, uh, sorry, another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, the answer is in Jesus. Christ our Lord. See you, so you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. 
Thanks, Jason. You're right. The NLT puts that so succinctly and helps us to really understand what Paul is saying there because sometimes Paul is hard to understand. So, look, that's, that's really good. You know, sometimes we don't know what we don't know. Well, always we don't know what we don't know. But I've got an illustration to illustrate what, that we don't know what we don't know sometimes. When our daughter was really young, um, she was only about, I think she was in grade two uh, in a private school, uh, there was a girl at school who was bullying her, calling her names and uh, doing all those sorts of things that, that, that kids do. Um, and it was basically because she, at, at that age she wasn't interested in hanging around with boys, she was just hanging around with the girls. And uh, one day she came home and she said to my wife, Mummy, what does gay mean? And at that age, Mary didn't really want to expose her to that whole other side of things. Uh, and so she just said, well, it can mean happy. It can mean happy. Why? So our daughter told her what was happening. And so my wife says, well, look, she was just trying to keep it light. And she said, look, if she says it again, just say to her, yes, I am. And so are you, you know, I'm happy. I'm gay. Yeah. And so the next day she came home from school and when my, and she came up to my wife and she says, mom, what does gay mean? And, I, and she said, why? Why? And she explained what had happened. Uh, the girl had come. She was teasing her again. She says, you're gay, you're gay. And she just, in her normal, bubbly, happy self, she just said, yeah, I am, and so are you. And the girl got really offended, really offended. And she said, no, I'm not. And she ran off. And so our daughter was confused. And she came home and she says, you know, what, what, what does that really mean? And Mary had to explain, you know, it's got two meanings. So... And and uh, and when she explained it, they both saw the humour in it. Our daughter saw the humour in it, and uh, and finally she understood something she didn't understand before. You know, when you don't know something, um, you don't know what you don't know. As I said, and the Bible tells us similar things. When you think about right and wrong uh, when you're young, as you grow and mature, the things you thought might have been okay as you mature, uh, when you get older, some of those things you find. They're not right. They're actually wrong, and vice versa. The things you thought were wrong sometimes are not wrong. But until until you know, how can you be accountable for it? How can you be accountable for something you don't know? Mm. So if we, we, we've already spoken about what sin is in the previous presentation, and just in a few texts I'd like to recap that. We don't have a long time. I always find myself running out of time. First John 3, 4, the Bible um, in the King James Version says that sin is transgression of the law. Well, that's great, but what does that mean? What does that phrase mean? By reading a number of other versions, like we did with the NLT today, sometimes it helps us to understand. And, and the New King James Version of the same verse is translated sin is lawlessness meaning transgression and lawless. lawlessness is the same. So lawlessness is like acting as if there's no law. So the inference here is that you can actually know what it is um, um, and you break it anyway. Uh, you can sometimes not know what it is and break it anyway, willingly or out of habit. The New Living Translation puts it like this. So for all sin is contrary to the law of God. This means that if the law says one thing, sin is when you do the opposite to what the law says. So I think, I think that's pretty clear. That's mm. fairly easy. However, the interesting thing about breaking the law is that you, you, although you might not know that you're breaking the law, if you break the law, you're a lawbreaker. Even if you might not know, you know, I might be uh, driving at 60 in a 40k zone, I didn't see the He's sign, still I'm breaking the law. The law. Yep. That's it, yep. But the Bible puts it like this, where there is no law, this is Romans 4.15, where there is no law, there is no transgression. 
Mm, okay, it doesn't say there's no sin. It doesn't say there's, yeah, anyway, it, it says there's no transgression. What's it mean? So transgression is a knowledgeable breaking of the law, either purposely or habitually. That's mm. what transgression, that word is. In Exodus 34, 7, it, it actually shares three different words, iniquity, transgression, and sin. It says that God is abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. And this is not just three ways of saying the same thing. They are three different things. Iniquity is open rebellion. Now, uh, I know it's wrong. I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. Mm. You see that in the description of Satan's attitude of rebellion in Ezekiel 28, 13. It says he was perfect until iniquity or rebellion was found in him. Transgression is disobedience. That's either knowingly do what the it's knowingly doing what the law says not to do. Okay, knowingly doing it, and I might not want to behave like this. I'd prefer to be doing the right thing and obedient, but sometimes I find it too hard to resist. This is transgression, and sin is also disobedience, but it's broader in its scope. It's knowingly or unknowingly breaking God's law. You might not even realise, but I'm breaking the law. That's the classification of sin. So the Bible says where there's no law, there's no transgression. And effectively it's saying, if I don't know what the law says, how can I be guilty of breaking it? Mm. Remember, you don't know what you don't know. So is it better um, to remain ignorant? or? <laughs> <laughs> Some have said that. Just don't tell me. I don't want to know. But, mm. you know, God wants us to know because he wants us to live a better life. Mm. Um, as you'll see later, um, breaking the law through sin If we knowingly don't want to know, it's not sin. It's transgression because Mm. we knowingly don't want to know. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. So this can be illustrated in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus has said, uh, you've heard it said. He goes through and says all these things. You've heard it said, you shall not murder, but I say whoever's angry with your brother without a cause should be in danger of the judgment. Before Jesus made it clear about the depth and breadth of his commandment, they were still guilty of the sin, but they were not guilty of transgression, Mm. knowingly breaking God's law. That's Mm. the difference between sin and transgression. I guess it's the same in our... uh lives with children isn't it that um, sometimes our children do things that are wrong but we realize when we observe that that we actually haven't taught them what the right thing is and so we have to be uh, a little bit gracious and merciful in that situation don't we we can't come down hard on a child who hasn't been taught what the right thing to do is so yeah they can't be held responsible for something they're not realizing is wrong yeah and the bible that's what the bible's saying Mm. We're going to go to another break. Remember our question. We'd love to hear from you. Share a time when you overcame something that was a challenge for you. And uh, just a reminder, a free book offer coming up, Between the Dungeon and the Light, Choosing Values for a Brighter Future. This is Nothing But the Blood by Jaden Levick.
to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. We're speaking with David Maxwell on his series Reflecting Jesus. And David's been talking about the topic of victory over sin. And David, before the break, we were talking about the fact that people are often not aware of sin uh, mm. because they, you know, they haven't been taught, they haven't learnt, and they're not held responsible for that sin. But the sin itself still has to be dealt with somehow mm. or another because it's still breaking God's law. So yep. what did you mean by that? Let's unpack that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Thanks, Jason. So the reason we, we commit sins is because we're separate from God. You know, we're, we're going to touch on that in a moment. We're separate from God. We do wrong things. We're breaking his law. That's, that, that separation still has to be dealt with. We have to be reconnected in somehow, in some way. And that's why I love that song you played, Nothing 
deals with the sin but the blood of Jesus. Love mm. that, love that. You might remember some time ago we actually talked about God's wrath against sin, meaning that it was so foreign to him that that word wrath his, it actually means his response to it is in line with his natural propensity against anything that's not holy because he is so holy, so holy. You know, God the Father, Moses couldn't stand in his presence. Sin couldn't be in his presence. Mm. So God's wrath or natural reaction to sin is to destroy it. He consumes the sin. That's, it's just incredible to think about. When we look in Revelation 14.10, we see that Jesus... Uh, that sorry that before Jesus comes to put an end to sin, his wrath or natural propensity against sin and those who cling to it will be fulfilled as both sin and those steeped in sin are destroyed from his presence okay that 's not a nice thing to happen, but he needs to do it. He needs to remove sin and suffering from the universe. This is described as being poured out uh, the, his, his wrath being poured out in full strength into the cup of his indignation. Now, what's really interesting is that as Jesus was preparing for the cross in the garden, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he's getting ready for his arrest and his, uh, his, his death, he makes a very interesting comment, and you've likely heard it before. In Matthew twenty six thirty nine, it says, He went a little farther and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but as you will. So here, although he didn't want to be separated from his father, Jesus chooses to drink the cup of God's wrath against sin and be removed from his presence. That's an incredible thing that Jesus chooses to do for Mm. you and for me. For those who put their trust in Jesus, we find that he's already drunk the cup of God's wrath against sin for you and me. Now we're going to come back to that in a little while. But first a question. So where did sin, disobedience and rebellion come from? Now we have to just quickly recap on this as well because we have covered this in the past as well. So in 1 John 3, 1, it says that the devil has sinned from the beginning. And Revelation 12, 9, the devil is identified as the great dragon, the serpent of old, Satan, and the accuser of the brethren. Now, from Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, and Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19, this devil, we know, was once a beautiful angel by the name of Lucifer, which means light bearer. And he separated himself from God, and then he began a rebellion in heaven. This was none of God's doing, none of God's doing at all, but it was a natural result of what happens when you separate yourself from a holy God. You become unholy. Okay, so if God is perfectly holy, you take yourself away from that holiness, you start to become unholy. And this is what happened with Lucifer. But because of his great mercy, even for Lucifer, God doesn't immediately destroy him. God removes him from his presence Now, I believe that so he won't be destroyed because he is becoming unholy. He's becoming sinful and sin can't be in the presence of a holy God. So God, instead of leaving him there and allowing him to be consumed, he gives him an opportunity to change and he removes him from his presence. Now, that gives him time to consider his choices to live apart from God. Then what happens, rather than him using that time well, as we often, when we have time, we don't use it well, rather than using that time to change his ways and be realigned with a holy God, Lucifer, who now enters that serpent in the garden, 
he, he continues on his path of rebellion and isolation from God and he starts to draw others in. He's already taken a third of the heavenly angels and they're mm. down here with him. Now he looks at God's creation, Adam and Eve, and says, I wonder if I can bring them into my fold. And he does. He does. He sucks them in, if you like. I can remember an example when I was going through high school where I was sucked in to something. There was me and my best friend. We both came from reasonably good families. I'm not saying, you know, we were, you know, holy joes or anything, but we were, we were, we were from good families. There was another fellow who was from a less fortunate family and his father used to beat him and all sorts of stuff. And he became one of the bullies at school. Now he, he um, sort of sided up with the two of us and for a little while we were friends with him. He came to us one day and he says, I found out how you can get free food from the duck shop. And, you know, we never got tuck shop food. We couldn't afford it. And we thought, great, this sounds good. So we listened and we, we did what he said and we got free food from the tuck shop one day. You know, we wrote, wrote on the, the paper paid and we put it in the other pile and we didn't know they saw us do it, but they knew the backgrounds we were from, the families we were from. Mm. So they let it slide the first time. Now, we got away with it the first time and uh, we thought, this is a good deal. Let's do it again. So now we are choosing not just being sucked in by what he said, we are choosing for ourselves the next day to do it again, and we all did it again the next day. And when we did that, they saw something is a definite choice here. Mm -hmm. This is not just unfortunate family. And we all got in trouble for it. <clears throat> now that's, I see that. I see that a little bit like with what happens with Adam and Eve. God gives them a choice. He says, don't do this. Satan comes along and says, you, he's not telling you the truth. You can do it. And then they have the opportunity to choose. So the deception's not wrong, but the choice was. And they chose to listen to the dragon rather than listen to God. They chose their alliance, their allegiance. They chose to live apart from God. But because they were masters of the race, they doomed the entire race. What a responsibility, Jason, that that they had, and, and perhaps if they had seen the effects that would have happened, maybe they would have chose differently, but nevertheless they chose. Mm. So that's, that's the hardest thing, you know, that as we explained last week, we're not guilty of their sin, their iniquity, their rebellion, that word rebellion. We're not guilty of their rebellion because we had no part in it. We didn't, we didn't make those choices. We weren't in the garden, so we weren't the ones rebelling. But we still suffer the consequences of that rebellion. But because Jesus took the punishment for mankind to restore us to God, we are now able to choose whether we want to continue in that rebellion or whether we want to choose God and be reconnected through Jesus. Mm. That's, that's really important. It reminds me of that uh, passage um, in the Old Testament um, I think it's in uh, somewhere in the Torah, you know, the first five books of the Bible. You, you can mm. probably uh, tell me where this is that, uh, that says that uh, people will be punished um, for multiple generations for the sins of their, their parents. Mm. And, Exodus um, 34. Exodus mm. 34, yeah, I thought it was in Exodus. Mm. But, mm. And, mm. Uh, you know, that um, seems unfair, but the reality is that there are consequences and, and people do suffer, we suffer, mm. for uh, the consequences of other people's uh, decisions and actions. And I guess mm. that's a motivation. Um, you know, it only takes one generation perhaps for of somebody to make a decision to say, I'm not going to follow in the same path as 
as uh, you know, perhaps my parents or whatever, if they made wrong choices, I've I've got a, an opportunity to change that choice and and uh, and yep. go a different way. Mm. Look, you're dead right, and and in that translation, there's a misapplication of it because when you look at what God is saying about His character in Exodus 34 in those verses, He is talking about His His um, his character is such that it includes justice. And mm. justice, natural justice, is consequence. But in that natural justice of consequence, there is a visitation that God comes and visits. Now, some people translate that as punish. He comes and punishes third and fourth generation. But when you look in Ezekiel 18, that is not what it's saying. Because in Ezekiel 18, it says the one that sins That's will right. die. And yes. the father won't die yeah. for the son. And the son won't die for the father. So it's talking about visitation. Yeah. Yes. And God came and visited the children of Israel in their sin for 40 years as they were walking through the desert. He mm. didn't come and punish them all that time. Mm. There were things they did wrong. They got punishments for. But he came and visited. He walked alongside. He he was there during those consequences mm. for those that disobeyed. So that's, yeah, we've got to think about that. Yeah. We're separate from God. We're separate from God. We find ourselves separate from God, and it's why we do sinful things. And every one of us needs the help. Hmm. We better go to a break. We will. But uh, if, <laughs> if you've got questions on that one, Ezekiel 18 is, is the answer. It, it makes mm. it very clear that uh, mm. we are only responsible for our own actions. So. Um, this uh, next, uh, sorry, before we go to the break, it's a free book offer that we're going to be offering. It's called Between the Dungeon and the Light, Choosing Values for a Brighter Future. Is there no absolute truth? Do our lives have no meaning? Where do we find trustworthy belief? How would we recognize it? John Wesley Fowler refers us to the Bible. God alone can help us understand and cope with the reality, and he reveals ultimate meaning only through the divinely inspired revelation of Scripture. That's our book offer for today. We'll give you the code right after the break. This is John Bryant with Were You There? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh 
to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And today we're talking with David Maxwell, finishing up this program on the topic of victory over sin. Before the break, we described this book offer that we're going to be giving away today. We've got plenty of copies to give away. It's called Between the Dungeon and the Light, Choosing Values for a Brighter Future by John Wesley Fowler. The code for today is REFLECT and the number 12. That's R-E-F-L-E-C-T and the number 12, no spaces. Text that into 0488-880-891. So David, before the break, you're explaining that because of the choice of our first parents, we're all born separated from God. We don't have a choice in that part. No. Uh, but because of this separation, we find ourselves doing things that are against his laws. And of course, we disappoint him. Um, would you like to unpack this a little bit further in conclusion for our program today? Yeah, thanks, Jason. And, and that disappointment comes from both knowing sin, rebellion, and uh, that's, that's saying, hey, I know what's right and I don't want to do it. Then there's the sin where we say, oh, look, you know, I really don't want to do the wrong things, but I just find these urges too hard to resist. Mm. And then we, we, we do things that disappoint him that we don't even know about yet. Mm. And we discover that as we go. So what challenges most people is, is something that even spiritual giants like Paul were challenged with. Now, we see Paul and we think, you know, we lift him up on a pedestal and we say, oh, he was so good. When I read these verses, I see that even Paul struggled with something or some things. They try, they try, they try to do what God knows and expects from them, the things he desires us to do. But time and again, they fail as their overwhelming sinful compulsions get the better of them. And this is the way Paul explains it. Now, I want you to listen carefully. It says, For I know that in me, we're rereading some of those verses we read earlier. Mm. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. He recognizes we're separate from God and we are not in line with his character and his will. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I want to do, I don't do it. But the evil I don't want to do, that I do. Do or that I practice, he says. For I delight in the law of God, according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, he says. I can't believe I'm like this. I hate it. I hate it. This is what he's saying. Who will deliver me from this body of death? So if we're trapped, we're, we're so trapped in sin because of our separation or our dis, distance from God, that's the trouble, and our inherited propensity to sin, how can we overcome or defeat this sin? It seems hopeless. It doesn't sound really good till you get to that next verse. We'll get to that. 
In this passage, Paul's referring to those who love God, not those who hate God. So he's talking about people who are trying to do the right thing. They're choosing to follow God, but even if, if, if even they struggle to do what God wants them to do, we think to ourselves, what hope do I have? Mm. I'm not a spiritual giant like Paul. Um, now, remember earlier we talked about Jesus taking on the wrath of God for us. Mm. Now, this is interesting because it's, it's Jesus didn't say, okay, I know you're sorry for your sin. Let me take that thing called sin. We'll take it away and then you won't have to worry about it anymore. As we've once read before in 2 Corinthians 5.21, yes, he does that. But he doesn't just take that sin away and say, oh, there you go, it's done now, you can go off and do your thing. He takes that sin and God puts it on Jesus. He puts it on Jesus and it takes not David did this, it's Jesus did this. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. So he takes the sin off David, he puts it on Jesus and says, Jesus, you shouldn't have done that. Okay, I'm I'm adding to it, of course. But that's the reality of it. It's no longer David's sin, it's Jesus. And that means that he pays for it as if it's his sin rather than ours. Because in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that God made Jesus to be sin for us. Mm. That really hits me when I think of it like that. So in this state, he becomes one with the sin, This is the way I understand it, the way I perceive it. He becomes one with that sin and God has to show his natural propensity or wrath, as the translators have interpreted, against the sin by separating himself from from Jesus. It's no wonder Jesus is in the garden and he says, if it's possible, take this cup from me. I don't want to be separated from you. I know what sin does. But the pain of the Father and the Son must have been incredible because they are now going to be separated from each other because of the sin that he takes off David and puts on himself. So as I I said, this this experience is what Jesus is going through for his friends. You and I who love him and are choosing to follow him. He becomes our best friend, if you like, and, and through that relationship we become friends with him, he becomes friends with us. So when we ask God to put our sin on Jesus so we can have his righteousness, although he wants to do it, now don't get me wrong, Jesus wants to do that. That's why he came. He loves us so much. He wants to do that. To me, it's like hurting my best friend. It's like I'm hurting my best friend, but even though he wants, he's saying, give it to me, give it to me. I'll take it. I'll take it. I want you to be clean. I want you to have my righteousness. It makes me think twice about willingly sinning makes me think twice, just think, do I really want to hurt my friend? Mm. Let me explain like this. When I was a little kid, I remember hearing a story of this child that the parent wanted to teach the child the impact of sin and the impact of what Jesus did for us. So the, the boy did something wrong. And the father says, come into the, this is when you could smack your kids, okay? Just a clarification there. Brings the child into the room. He takes off his belt and the child thinks, oh, I know what's happening here. Then he hands the belt to the boy and he bends over the couch himself. He says, hit me. And the boy thinks, whoa, hang on a minute. I'm supposed to get this. The father says, hit me. So the boy gives him a little gentle tap and he says, no, I said, hit me. And so he hits him harder. He says, hit me again, hits him again. And he says, hit me again, and he hits him again. And he can see how much this is hurting the father. 
and he says, hit me, and he keeps telling the child to hit him and hit him and hit him, and the boy is getting perplexed. He's, he's hurting his father. And, and in the end, he starts crying himself. He doesn't want to keep hurting his dad. He loves his dad. And he keeps hitting him and hitting him until the father has tears in his eyes. The boy has tears in his eyes. And then he stops and he explains, this is what Jesus does for us. He takes the punishment that should have been ours. He taught that boy a bigger lesson than had he actually smacked the boy. What this illustration speaks to me about is the love that I have for God when I choose to obey and follow him and the relationship I develop with him. Just like the boy didn't want to hurt his dad because of his own wrongdoing, I am challenged when I understand the true nature of what Jesus suffered for me. Because of that relationship, I don't want to be willingly putting any more sin onto him, and I strive to be free of it. Now, I want you to be—I want you to be really clear what I'm about to say here. And we're gonna—we're gonna run into our uh, song time, but it's very important, Jason. I hope that's all right. Sure. It's not—it's not my overcoming of the sin that saves me. Okay, I can overcome. That's the purpose of this talk today: is the overcoming. Um, the, the ability for us and the, and, the, and the benefit for us overcoming sin. But it's only Jesus' death on the cross that, uh, that overcomes, that, 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 that is the thing that saves me. Only Jesus' death on the cross and his taking of my sin that saves me. However, he's told us how we can get better at resisting Satan's temptations and being an overcomer. In First Peter 5, it says this, Be clothed with humility. Peter was a pretty proud guy. Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. James, also proud and boisterous, says the same thing. These guys have changed. They understand what God is talking about with his grace and his forgiveness. He says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, and he puts a formula together for us. We love formulas. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Very simple formula. Very simple formula. So he's saying the formula for overcoming sin is humbling yourself, come to God. Submit to him, allow him to lead. Mm. Resist the devil. With the power that God will give you, remain connected with him, but then Satan has no option but to flee. The beginning illustration, you know, my daughter didn't know what she didn't know. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we're doing wrong. But when I finally understand the cost to my friend Jesus, that he's able to take away my iniquity, my transgression and my sin, all I need to do is come to him humbly, submit, and allow him to help me to resist. And that is how we overcome sin. Very important. Mm. <clears throat> Just as we were going through that, David, there's a thought that came to me that um, I think is worth sharing that, you know, Christ went through that separation, that ultimate separation from God. and uh, But God's love is so strong that he brought Jesus back from death to life. And even though mm. he took all of our sin upon him, mm. God's love was still strong enough to bring him back. And that, that gives me that hope and belief that God will also bring us back to life 
again you know after you know if we die we we see him at the second coming he will bring us back just as he did jesus and uh, that just shows us how powerful uh, the love of god is uh, towards us and how much he wants to reconnect with us david uh, what have you got for us next week on this series Next week we're looking at a better life and it's a two-part, very short two-part section on this, this particular topic. And really what we're doing is we're looking at how following Jesus in this life can give you a better life even right now. We often look just to the future. Second part, what it means for the future. And tomorrow we've got uh, Tamika Spalding and myself will be sharing a program. Tamika will be sharing a program called A Time to Bear Witness. Uh, So join us tomorrow at uh, 9am and remember the program that's going to be running on May 13, 15 and 16, Improving Immune Function Through Food by Dr Sue Rad. Text Immune22 for details and bookings to 0488880891 and today's program code is reflect number 12. Text that in to the same show number. Wherever you are, have a great day, and uh, we'll catch up with you again next week, David. Thank you very much, Jason.